Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Red Wolf Cast. For those of you that may be confused, this is a new podcast hosted by Alex and myself. You may remember us from Soccer Chat that was the previous podcast. We're really paring it down and making this very much a Red Wolf-focused podcast. We may still occasionally have some fun with some other things, but... Uh, you know, we've heard the feedback. This is what people want to hear. And we really also want to try to keep it a little shorter than before, just for sanity's sake. And uh, we took a year off. So uh, we're back and uh, we're excited to be here. So I wanted to just kind of give an idea of why they're seeing a different name and all those sort of things. And we're going to jump right in and do a review of uh, of last season. So without further ado, welcome back to the, to the Red Wolf cast. All right, Alex. So uh, took a year off, got refreshed, came back, totally changed the name yeah. of the podcast, allowed uh, AI to generate the podcast logo because we're that lazy. Uh, and I think it turned out probably better than our old logo, let's be honest. Um, and uh, yeah, so we figured the best we way to start it would the be to people talk about what they wanted, which yeah. was less of us. Exactly. Right. And so now we're going to go and we're going to give them a review of the entire season from last year that they missed. So buckle up for the next 35 hours as we go deep into. No, no, not so much. Uh, but we are going to do a review of last year, talk about how that impacts this year and go from there. So, uh, Alex, I'm going to open it up to you to start, you know, looking at last season. You know, what was your overall view of what, you know, kind of how the season went? Um, it was tough. It was a tough watch last year in a lot of times. Um, especially what I would say was there was a slow start. Um, and, uh, and to me, when things started to look the bleakest and I was at my most cynical, I really do think they had a pretty strong end to the year. Um, they, they looked a much improved team. They had a lot more, um, I, I mean, like I said, they just, they looked more um, active up in press uh, and things like that. And so I think at the, by the end of the year, you, you left with a little bit of hope that, you know, if they could do some good signings, find some new people, you know, inject some fresh blood that, that you could over time rebuild this team um, to the strong team that it was two years ago that went to the league final. Yeah, so specifically about those things, what are the positive signs that you saw as we went through the end of the season that you think are going to carry over into the into this next year? The things that we can, as fans, say, okay, yeah, last year was a bit of a throwaway, but there's something about this that really gives me hope for next year. So I think one of the big things was a little better team chemistry i mean there were there were times i mean honestly we 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 had a shoving match between teammates on the field at one point when yeah. things were really dark last year and you saw towards the end of the year the guys really wanting to play for each other building each other up 
um, not not getting too uh, too snippy with each other when they gave up that goal to the other team. That so you see that you see them playing the game with a lot of energy. There were times where it just felt like everyone was drifting, and uh, and so seeing more energy that they were pursuing their tackles that they were not just kind of drifting through the game ball watching, but they were actually paying attention to their defensive responsibilities or trying to get themselves into a good position offense. Those were the things that you saw that were like, okay. And and I'll tell you, there was a, a few weeks when head coach Scott McKenzie had took in, taken over in the interim role that I thought, gee, I don't know if he's quite ready for this pro job, but by the end of the year, from the changes that you saw, uh, that they made this hire, and I know it's probably something we're going to talk about a lot, especially next we do more of the season preview. I think hiring Scott McKenzie is a good call, and I think it's if if they're willing to stick with him, um, it's going to benefit them in the long run. So I don't think their goal is to do this turnover that they've had, right? I think there's been a lot of instability that's existed really since the Obleda error kind of came to an end and they made a late hire in, in Ziggy. I think if you listen to Ziggy, he had a style that he wanted to implement. And I don't think he had the players to implement that style. And unfortunately I think Ziggy just didn't do a good Mm -hmm. job of adjusting to what he had. Um, And, you know, I I listened to a number of interviews that Ziggy did. He did some with, uh, you know, League One Under the Sea, which is a, a podcast that I was a, a guest on um, last week, but one that did a preview last year with Ziggy. And he, I listened to him. I was all excited. Right? I was like, this guy knows his stuff. The problem was he knew his stuff, but he didn't know his players is how I would view it. And that's not a good combo. And I feel like it took Scott a little bit to figure out his players. And then once he knew them, he implemented what he could with what he had. I still think as we look to next year, and like I said, we're going to do a preview pod of, of this upcoming year um, next time. But I think if you look at what was has been added, it's to complement what he already had because he had a full off season to really build his team like he wants along with, you know, the front office obviously getting involved in that as well. It's not just Scott making these decisions, but he's definitely given a lot of input. And people may not know this, Scott's been in the organization for a lot longer than just half a season, right? Like he, mm-hmm. he was the Utah um, coach for the, for the now defunct Utah um, league two team. And uh, you know, he brought that team to multiple championships in their division. He's got a history of success. And I think we should expect something similar to that. But if you look at last year, he really started to put a stamp on it as we went to the end of the year. And that's, if that team had played like that all year, we're in the playoffs. Like that's a playoff team at the end of that season, as far as I'm concerned. And that's with, in my opinion, some players that weren't, were still not a good fit even for Scott's system. Like I feel like there were still some players that, you know, are gone now that may not have really fit exactly what he was looking to do. Even players that came in halfway. Like I don't think Mario Lomas ever fit the system. I don't think he was a good fit. He's not the Mm -hmm. type of player I think Scott's going to use. And I think, you saw that he didn't work well, which is why he never really got a full game, right? He never played a full game. And I think that's because he was never, he he could only be used as a changeup guy. And 
everyone knew what he was doing when he brought him in. Like there was no mystery to what Lomas was going to bring. And I think that's kind of a, an ongoing point. If you look at what they brought in instead, they don't fit that type of player. Like, like that, that type of guy, like we didn't go and get Juan Galindres and he was available, right? He's a Mingo now, right? We didn't go get that type of player. And I think there's a reason for it. I think if you look at what we've brought in, it's going to fit that style better. Um, and I've kind of already referenced who I'm going to choose for this, but I'm going to go ahead and jump ahead a little bit. Who of those players that isn't coming back? And it's a pretty long list of players that have either left through free agency or retired. Um, or you know, who of those players are you? I don't want to say happy to see gone, but do you say this is there's a it doesn't he didn't fit the system. It's right for him to be gone and find a better opportunity. Hmm. There were a lot of players that I was disappointed with the performance. I think a lot of the people that played in the midfield last year, I think that was our weakest spot. Um, and the fact that there, it was just hard to find possession. It was hard to kind of generate any sort of tempo and build up. And it was due to the midfield. Uh, they had trouble losing the ball. They had trouble kind of putting their head down and trying to dribble through everyone. And so, yeah. So I if you look at speaking directly, players that I'm, yeah, speaking directly to those midfield players. So if you look at who's left, um, who's not been brought back this this season, you got Christian Enriquez, Mo Espinosa, who I don't think you're including in that, Riley Craft, Felipe Laborio Jr., um, Andrew Paoli, and Walter Varela. Like that's a pretty good amount of like name talent. Like people, when you hear, like people talked about, like Paoli was supposed to be this amazing player that was going to transform thing. Like they, they talked about um, Lomborio doing the same thing, right? Christian Enriquez, who I definitely really got. To me, we... Yeah. Christian Enriquez is one that like, I think everyone was thinking he was going to be like Jose Carrera Garcia was for the team. And he just like, there were times where he was out there and he just disappeared. You didn't hear his name called. He wasn't involved in the play. Um, and so that was very, uh, very frustrating. And, and to me, Walter Varela was another one. He's, you know, as, I, as I'm talking about putting your head down, dribbling through, there's so many times where, you know, we would watch him just kind of go up that sideline and turn the ball over off the dribble before he even looked to see if there was someone to pass yeah. the ball to and a way to keep the ball. And then he wouldn't track back on defense to try to help and, and the defense would end up exposed because of his turnover. It was a, It was very frustrating to watch. And I think, you know, Mo Espinosa was hurt for a lot of the season last year. But I think yeah, when, when I'm he, talking about that, I'm I'm thinking of him more as a winger anyway, as kind of an outside attacking player as opposed to a yeah. midfielder. But I was bringing him up because he did that overlap, right? He would do that mm -hmm. where he's bringing that ball up the court, and he did have his head up. He, I don't know how often you'd see just a great cross coming from Mo that you just didn't see from all, you know, the, any of these midfielders. Just didn't seem to have a desire to make the other players better. And I think that your best midfielders across league one and on up through higher levels, your best midfielders are not thinking of themselves first. They are mm -hmm. thinking of how do I get a ball to up to, you know, a Milongo? How do I get a ball up to, you know, those players up top who can finish for me? And I just didn't feel like there was that commitment. And you kind of referenced this earlier. There was always a lot of infighting, right? Like I, you'd see that ball get stolen away. And the, the guy up top would be like, come on, like I'm right here. Like you'd see him throw mm -hmm. their arms up and be angry. And then it was just, it wasn't great. 
Um, and then as soon as a goal was scored as well, you'd see the defenders turn around and start yelling at a midfielder for yeah. not getting back, turning the ball over, leaving them exposed. Yeah. So so the thing I'm always accused of is that I'm Mr. Negative, right? So I'm going to give you an opportunity to be positive. We did lose some good players as well. Some of them moved up, and I will never feel bad about losing a player to go up to championship. But of those players that left, who is it that you think you were most sad to see go, that you really felt fit the, fit the system and really had a chance to continue to impact? Uh, so I think, like you're saying, when a player moves up, they sign somewhere in championship. Um, you know, that's that's something that – that's what this league is for, is to help those people – work their way up to that next level. And, you know, you hope that eventually they get to MLS or they get signed somewhere in Europe and they, you know, they get somewhere where they can have some success and, and really get to to do something in the game. So I always am happy when I hear that they're moving to that sort of level. The one that makes me sad is a player who went sideways, um, you know, stayed in league one and it's Aaron Lombardi signing with South yeah. Georgia Tormenta. Um, you know, I, he was a replacement for Jonathan Ricketts was supposed to be that same style of player. And I don't know that he is at the level of Ricketts, but he was very close. He was very good. Um, a left back that defended well, but also was very instrumental in getting forward into the attack. Um, they started to use him even sometimes in a midfield role because of the skill that he had. Uh, so yeah. he's one that I'm very sad to see go, especially since, I thought he was good enough that, you know, a championship team might have come calling. Maybe maybe it just wasn't the right situation for him or what. But it's like, man, if you're if you're not gonna go to championship, I wish I wish he could have stayed with us. Yeah, I, I think I would agree that Lombardi definitely filled a, a that role well. I will say I think we've backfilled him pretty well. I feel like our, our back line on the wings, I think we're gonna see, even though everyone always likes to mark him off as a forward, I think you would I wouldn't be surprised to see Ricky Ruiz. It fill in that position like mm -hmm. i wouldn't be surprised his first and, season he played a lot of he played the right back opposite jonathan ricketts yeah yeah and, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's how he's being envisioned is to be used in that similar manner now that doesn't mean he will be because we you know we brought in leah falla we, we brought in you know brought back um renteria as kind of center backs so we brought in this guy from uh overseas in Declan water. So you, you got three strong center backs there. So I don't know if we're going to continue to have a two center back, or are we going to go with more of a wing back? I don't know what our plan is there. Um, I haven't got a chance to fully see what that's going to build like. So he could have just been a situation where he was felt he was duplicate to what we could get. And he wanted a chance to have somewhere else to show what he could do. Um, and honestly, I think he, he went through all of that stuff with, multiple coaches and all that stuff and he may have just been ready for something something new right it could have just been like hey i don't know the story there he could have just been like hey i need a fresh start an opportunity to, to get one more shot to show what i am and let's be honest tormenta has a history of show, of getting those players moved up right like they're the only real league one team i'm not including any of those mls2 teams that were in league one that have had a player that played for them that then he went on he, he went on and played uh, my mind's blank on his name, but he went on and played in Tampa Bay, and now he's been signed for MLS, right? Like, they're the only ones that really have that full, has experienced that, that wasn't a, a two-team. Um, and, and then those are the only ones that really count. Like, the, the two teams, if you look at some of those players, they were kids, right? They were their 17, 18-year-olds mm -hmm. that they had always planned on moving up eventually. That's a different thing, right? The, where, you know, I think like a, you know, you think back to when we played, uh, you know, North Texas way back in the day, that North Texas team was filled with players that eventually either went to Europe or MLS, but they were all like 12, 
like they were all super young, right? You, you, you look at um, even in, in, in CFC and you look at Nick Holiday, you know, he, I think the first time he played, he was 15, right? Like yeah. that's a different type of player than someone who was 24, 25, got a start in league one, got a chance at championship, made the MLS. Tormenta is the only one I know of that have done that. So um, that I would say uh, Aaron Lombardi just wanted to be somewhere where there was a Nats landing. Good restaurant if you're in Statesboro. Oh, man. I think he... Not sponsored, by the way, but... I think uh, what it it really probably was, he's a huge Publix fan, and he knew on Wednesdays Publix has $5 sushi, and he's like, I just have to leave the the stadium and go right next door to Publix. Mm -hmm. Uh, There you go. Right after practice, $5 sushi after practice. Yeah. Good call. All right, so... Last thing about last season before we get into a little bit more about, you know, what do we expect from some of those returning players? Um, what was your favorite moment from last year? Favorite moment. I think the best moment that I had last year was when we took the trip up for the second game in Knoxville. Uh, getting to sit with a contingent of traveling Red Bulls fans where we were you know, making a lot of noise. Um, they tried to send the fuzz after us for standing <laughs> yeah. up on the rail. The The security yeah. guards got all puffed up. Not until we uh, had answered. Like, they scored first, and then we scored, and then I think we took a lead. And all of a sudden, security was really, really interested in whether or not we were standing at the rail or sitting in our seats. And, but, and uh, only only us, because if you look to the right, the, the scruffs were up there yeah. the whole time. <laughs> Like we right. kept playing, like like what about your own fans that are doing exactly the same thing on the other side of the stadium? Uh, In yeah, any was... case, that 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 come from behind uh, game on the road against a rival, uh, it was and it, it, to get to be there live instead of just watching it on TV, uh, that was probably my favorite moment. It was definitely fun. Uh, I also enjoyed that they um, did the whole ripping off the uh, Chattahoo that they had done. Yeah, the the I don't know if it was the Scruffs or if it was Knoxville itself made these shirts that said the Chattahoo and they used the CFC colors to almost make it worse. Right. And the fact that um, I believe it was Siobhan Marsh put it on and then ripped it off. That was, mm-hmm. that was good as well. For me, it was that ridiculous Milongo goal at home where he went through three guys spun around and then put it in the, in the lower corner. Um, it was, it was towards the berm and it was just beautiful like that that was a really fun goal to watch um and then either that or the pedro hernandez where it seemed like he was jumping on a trampoline for his oh, uh, header yeah. goal like both of those were just ridiculous amazing individual effort goals um, but i also think it's an indictment on the fact that we needed a lot of individual effort goals last year um <laughs> that I'm, I'm thinking of those specifically all right so last thing about before we look at some of these returning players um we talked a little bit about our coach. We talked a little bit about how we finished the year. What is your overall expectation as we head into the year for him? Do you expect more of what we had in the second half of last year? Or do you think because of some of the additions and subtractions, he's going to change it up even more? Um, I, I do think, and I, I mean, I give a lot of credit to the Red Wolves this year for being proactive, you know, a week after the season was done, they made that move permanent. They announced it there so that they had plenty of time 
to kind of figure out, identify the targets of players they want to go after. That's one of the things I think that has been so hard on this team the last couple of years is that it's like, okay, we've hired the coach kind of late and it gets us a, a late start trying to sign players. A lot of guys have already figured out who they want to go with before we're kind of in the market as it is. So I give them a lot of credit for saying, you know, um, and anyone you've talked to in the organization has nothing but good things to say about Scott and the way that he kind of helped yeah. change the culture of the team when he took over. Um, and as I had said before, you know, I was a little, I was a little skeptical and I don't think I was respecting just how chaotic things were when he came in. He basically flew, you know, flew in from, from park city into Fresno to coach the team because of the health issue with, uh, with uh, Jimmy weekly and yep. uh, glad to see Jimmy weekly is, uh, is around. He's involved with the team again. You, you know, if you're, if you're out around town, you still see him and it's great to see him. Uh, up and about and healthy and glad that, you know, that issue has been able to go behind him. Um, so anyway, the, I think having a full off season, I think you may see him make even more changes. You know, he kind of took over in the middle of the year and just had to kind of slap stuff together with, with duct tape and dreams and try to get it through the end of the year. But I think he's really going to be able to implement what he wants to do, uh, put his identity on how the team is going to play. Um, you know, his identity is all over, like you talked about, the players that they're signing and bringing in uh, to complement who's going to be returning. So I think all of that is going to, it, it could look very different. Um, I hope it's going to be the high tempo. Um, it's going to be, you know, high pressing strategically. Like, you know, you, you can't necessarily do that for 90 minutes. Obviously, players can't yeah. can't keep up that pace. But to know that there are going to be times like, one of the things that I noticed as Scott really got a handle on coaching the team towards the end of the year was that second half coming out of the second half and giving a lot of effort and putting a team on the back foot. Um, and there wasn't a lot of that when Ziggy was out, it was like sleepwalk through the first half heads down in the second half. <laughs> yeah. So to, to have that sort of thing come out, I think it's, it's, I hope it's going to be, um, you know, Bob seems to be uh, a fan of the slow buildup, uh, but hopefully things are going to be a little faster uh, and and Scott's going to really, you know, make this exciting. <laughs> that wasn't a, a shot on uh, the <laughs> on how long the stadium's taking to being built. Was Double it? entendre, maybe. Uh, yeah, so we make, we make jokes about it. We know that he's working hard to, to do it right um, on the stadium stuff. I, I will continue to make those jokes until I have a, you know, concrete that i'm parking my car on but uh or 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 pavement either one works like blacktop concrete just give me one um all right so last thing before we and like i said we're gonna try to keep these a little shorter than they, they used to be so we're we've done five complete seasons we're heading into our sixth season this is a a team that is no longer in, in infancy it is it's established we have a, a style that we as a team kind of tend to go towards right we definitely have an atmosphere at CHI Memorial Stadium that we are known for. Um, you listen to uh, players talk about, you know, being excited about coming here because they've played here before, right? Like, I know that Madison has a, a really good atmosphere. I know R Richmond has a good atmosphere. Um, I haven't – Knoxville isn't in its, in its baseball stadium yet, but overall when we were there, it seemed like a pretty – good atmosphere so there's not like it's we're the only ones but i do think there are other places that 
are a little quieter, right? Tormento tends to be a little quieter, not as many people necessarily in those stands um, for all the games. Uh, you know, when you look at Omaha, who, by the way, if you did not see this, has an amazing rendering for their soccer-specific stadium that is going to be built. Um, but being in that baseball stadium, it's really spread out. Um, I think it creates not the loudest atmosphere. So I do think you're going to see that continue to be what we're known for, and it can only get better. But when we talk about that, five years is enough to, for us to start talking about what's the best all-time team. And you sent over you know, what your all-time My is. My ranking sh- of every single player to wear a Red Bulls uniform. Is that the one you're talking about? No, no. I, I, I'm oh. only going with your best 11. Okay. So, In-depth ranking, uh, it's going to be on the website. Yeah, we're not going to do that to anyone because that's just wrong. Um, so... Looking at looking at this, this is your your best eleven, and uh, the one thing that sticks out for me is only one of these players is on the current team, uh, and that is a player that hasn't been here for a couple of years in, in Ricky Ruiz. Uh, walk me through, like, where? How okay. did you come up with this group? So we'll start at the back, and I think goalkeeper as you look back in the history is probably our strongest position and this was the hardest for me to say but i I do still think overall uh as a keeper alex mangles was the best one that we've had as far as a shot stopper um the you know being able to play with his feet um command the back line um you know i've always talked about i wanted to set up uh my text message sound effect to be Alex Mangles telling everyone to get the ball away. Yeah. (laughs) That was very distinctive. You just, you always heard him. So um, I I think he was the best and that is not to throw shade at someone like Carlos Avales, who it may seem counterintuitive that I think he had a better year last year when the team was second from the bottom than the year that the team went to the final. But I really do saw his improvement and that team would have lost Way more games would have given up many more goals had it not been for his improvement last season. Uh, Sad to see him go. Happy to see Tim Trout come back. I think he's a fantastic keeper, and it's a great signing. Uh, So I'm excited to see what he he brings this coming year. But I'm going to put Alex Mangles there. Um, Jonathan Ricketts, I think, goes without saying. uh, The combination of Navarro and Mel when we went to the League One final, I think that's just the best that we saw for those players um and uh and nico cardona he sometimes played in the center but i put him out there on the right just because i think he also he was one that affected the game uh in very important ways um and uh and so he'll be missed as well he's a player that moved on that i think we're gonna miss yeah and he did move up right so he moved on but also up down to miami so uh excited to to see what he can do going back to championship it's not his first not his first foray in championship. Um, my only my only issue here is I actually would have Lombardi on this list. I, mm. I would have him before before Cardona. I think spot on. Timmy Mel and Narvaro was a is a, just a killer pairing in the middle. Ricketts obviously um, was was too good to be in League One when he was in League One. And I think that's why he, you're seeing him getting a, a, a third year up there in championship i i think he's a player not to sleep on that you know if a, if a smart mls team needed somebody to 
be a, a spark off the bench to come in to to be able to do overlaps and stuff. I wouldn't be surprised. If a uh, a signed Jonathan Ricketts Portland Timbers jersey might be all I need. Yeah, that that would be gold for you. To be complete. Yeah, so I agree with all the other ones. That's the only thing I would change, and it's it was a toss up for me. I also think Alex was uh, our best of a strong group, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, I think you know if you look there, there were times where those three are the only like that. It, and I don't think there's anyone else in League One that would have been heartbroken if they had to switch goalkeepers with us. Like, even though there's some really good goalkeepers in League One, um, you know. I think those, you know, I'm looking at you, Fitzy, who's no longer in uh, League One. But, you know, I think even those teams would have been like, oh, I, we've got Alex Mangles now. Okay. Oh, we've got Tim Trilk now. Okay. Oh, we've got we've got Spidey now. Okay. Like, I don't think any of them would have been like, oh, are you kidding me? We had to switch. And that's a that's a good sign that you've you've got a quality guy between the pipes. Um, the next thing you have, and I, I misspoke over. I meant Wally was the only one uh, that was on there. But don't mind me. Um, you got Wally in the middle. Is this a he's been with us the whole time, so I have to put him here? Or do you really think he's the best defensive mid we've had? I, I do think he was the best defensive mid, although we've never really had like an actual six that just sits like a stump in front of the defense. You know, there's always yeah. a lot of kind of moving around with our midfielders. Um, but I do kind of trying to stay true to to what a lineup would look like is is part of why I put Wally there. Um, he gets the lifetime achievement award. Um, he he is. It's funny because he seems like maybe he's kind of ancient, but actually he's only really in his early thirties. Um, he's, but he brings a lot of experience, a lot of poise, leadership. There isn't anyone that's come through the Red Wolves organization uh, that doesn't seem to have tons and tons of respect yeah. for him when you watch him interact with his teammates. Um, everyone. Uh, in the city of Chattanooga loves him and he and his wife have kind of adopted this place and, and made it their home. I think when their career, his career is done, I, I think they stay in Chattanooga. It wouldn't shock me. Yeah. Um, so I, I love seeing him. And then Jose Carrera Garcia and Ricky Ruiz, I think are two of just the most exciting attacking players that we've had. Uh, Carrera Garcia, a lot of it didn't show up in the stat sheet, but but for two years, he he was the quarterback running the Chattanooga Red Wolves and making them the competitive team that they were. And I'm surprised he doesn't get more time in, in you know, at, at Central Valley. Like why mm-hmm. did we not see him used more? It was, that's surprising to me. And I know he had some injuries, but he was on the bench a lot for him. And I mean, it could have been injury related, but that surprised me because I really thought he was going to be a, a difference maker for them. So I agree with that. All right. So let's look at your, your uh, up top. Oh, I want to give honorable mention to Jimmy Villalobos, who I think also was a good, exciting attacking mid that's not part of the list. Yeah. I, I'm glad you didn't put two Ming, another Mingo on there. I think that's too many Mingos if you if you had him on there since he's up there and Juan's up there and Jimmy Mel's up there. <laughs> like, let's, let's just stop mention, let's just stop putting all of the top, our top 11 on, on forward. That'd be great. All right, so you go up top, and I've already mentioned it. You've got Juan Galindres up top here. Uh, I don't know that I agree with you here, but why did you choose Juan? I think the biggest, he he holds the team scoring record, um, was a guy who I think he was good at pouncing on opportunities, being in the right spot for those little rebounds to poke in, things like that. Um, world-class dancer in the goal celebrations. <laughs> 
always always a good time when Juan Galindra scored and everyone was ready to celebrate with him. So uh, those are those are kind of the things that I saw and why, like I said, the 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 team scoring record uh, I think also is a lot to say for him. And in the two years he was there, and the two years where he, uh, you know, didn't come to the team until late in the season both times to be able to to lead the team in scoring when he is done with his career is impressive. Yeah, so I actually went back and forth on this because the player that I actually going to put up top, I think will anger some people. Um, Cause I think it's, Eamon, I think it's Eamon Zide. And it's not just cause he's, his sweater game is on point. It's, I felt like when Zide was up top, I was comfortable. I knew we were going to get opportunities. And at times with Juan, I felt like if he didn't get the perfect feed into him, nothing was going to come from it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I don't think he had nearly the longing impact, the longevity of an impact that Galindras did. I think his second year, he's basically just a coach. But I felt like that first year, he had a pretty good impact. Um, it, it, I think I don't think there's anything wrong with going to Juan. I think you bring up great points, but that's the only one I probably would do different. And then on the other, other two wings, you've got, you know, Fan favorite Mo Espinosa and fan favorite Rafa Mintzigan for very differing reasons. I think Rafa's a fan favorite because of his calves and his quads. quads. Uh, both yeah. both are intimidating. Uh, I think Mo's fan favorite just because of his amazing ability to cross the ball to input it in from outside the box and all that stuff and his work rate and all that those things. So, I mean, I would love this team right here. Like a lot of these players are still are still in USL, right? Like literally mm-hmm. everyone on this list is still playing in USL except for Alex, who retired. Um, that says a lot about the quality of this team that we've had, the quality of players that we had. That other teams are bringing them not to be on their bench, right? Like Rafa is a starter in Championship now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonathan Ricketts is a starter in Championship now. Juan Galindres is probably going to be one of the starters up in forward. Um, Nico, I don't know what he'll do, but he's in championship. Like you look at these players and they're just left and right players that are impacting teams that they've moved to. These are not situations where we lost them because they, they lost a step or they weren't produced. Like every one of these is still producing at a high rate, which kind of makes you heartbroken that they're not still here. But a lot of those players aren't here because they moved on right to a better Mm -hmm. situation. And the ones that are still in league one, it's it could just be they they're not a good fit for the current coach, right? So I would agree. Right. So I will one never forget the goal where Eamon Zide came in as a substitute, oh, yeah. never stopped moving. It was all one motion off the sideline into the box and connected with the the corner kick that was you know that was the stoppage that he subbed in on headed the ball in and i believe that is the time that he jumped the fence yeah, came to he didn't stop he didn't stop fans. from scoring right he Did not scored stop until he hugged, in, jumped over Red, the fence Kevin and hugged the, exactly and that was that first year at ccs like that's still one of my favorite like experiences in the stands is like watching him run in cuz i'm you know we're behind the goal in the supporters area watching him run in watch him do that watch him jump the fence and watch him go up and give a a, a you know a big hug to our, our capo at the time in in, uh, in Big Red. So yeah, that was 
that's one of those things you just can't really take away, even though it is still fun to give him a very hard time anytime the Colorado comes to town. So, all right. Well, I think we've done a pretty good job of recapping last season, talking about some of the high points. Um, anything else you want to bring up before we, uh, we close out? I got nothing. All right. Well, with that, we're going to sign off and, uh, we will be putting out another pod in a little over a week or around a week from now for uh, your listening pleasure that'll preview the upcoming season, talk a little bit about some of the results that we've already had in preseason, as well as talk about you know the biggest impact players coming in. Um, and then hopefully maybe just talk a little about what type of games, what specific games are we looking at? Talk a little bit about this new in, in-season tournament and what that means and give you kind of a, a heads up of some of the idiosyncrasies there on how they're really focused on high scoring and that the games won't end in ties. So don't leave if the game's tied at the end. All those type of things. We'll go into some of those details and more. So thank you guys for listening and uh, we'll catch you on the other side. Rock a door. Bye. Bye. bye.